All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck Nicks? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I'm broadcasting from a bouncy room, not a bouncy house, a bouncy room, a room where the sound bounces around. There's no carpet. There's nothing stopping the sound from bouncing all over this hotel room in Albuquerque, New Mexico, my hometown where I am here. I've come back here. I come here pretty frequently these days for one reason or another, but generally uh, it's a good, a good excuse to see my dad. Sometimes that's the intention is to see my dad. It seems that lately I've been looking at houses in the area and also seeing my dad. I don't know why I come home. Why does anyone go home? How are you? Are you okay? Look at me. Are you okay? Look at me. Don't. It's okay to cry. Look at me. Are you okay? <laughs> I hope you're all right. I don't know what to tell you. I just, it's always good to, you know, to go see my father. But I have been looking at houses and I get, you know, I get anxious and I have this idea in my head. Do you want to know who's on the show today? I can tell you that first. Naomi Ekperigen is on the show today. Yeah. That is her name. Maybe some of you know her. Maybe many of you do. She's a stand-up comic. She's been a writer on shows like uh, Broad City and Difficult People. She's been a regular on the podcast, Two Dope Queens. And she actually has her own podcast called Couples Therapy. We met once before when I was a guest on Two Dope Queens, and she was filling in for one of them. I can't remember which one. But she's here. I talked to her. That was a nice talk. I've been talking to the young, the new generation of comics that somehow I seem to miss between COVID and me just kind of being in my own world. It seems an entire generation of comedian has come up. And uh, I, I am engaging with the ones who seem to be out there and doing things. A, a few of them anyways. Obviously, I can't get to all of them. But uh, yeah, so I'm in my hometown. Oh, you know what I should talk about? James Kahn died. Also talking about my father, there was a time my, my father is of not quite the same cloth as James Kahn, but he's a, 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 a curly-haired uh, Jew with, uh, with uh, spilkes, with, uh, with chutzpah, I don't know, with the chuchach. Uh, but there is, a, there is some sort of continuity there. But uh, James Kahn is dead. He uh, passed away, and... The episode that I did with him is available for free now in all the podcast apps. It's one of the episodes that came out from behind the paywall just last week when we uh, launched our, our new stuff, our new thing. So a lot of episodes available for free now. So there's no need to sort of jack it up, take it out from behind the paywall, put it back in the feed. It's already there. I will alert people to them existing, but I don't need to do it the same way. It was a great interview. It was great fun to talk to that guy. And it wasn't that long ago. And he was, I mean, he was a little younger than my father, but one of the great tough Jews. I, I don't know. We got to find, we have to figure out who the new tough Jew is. There's a couple, there's some around, but uh, not like him. And I watched all those movies. I, I cannot get the movie thief out of my head really, because I watched so many of his movies when I was about to talk to him. And I rewatched that and was tremendous. So why does one get depressed when one goes to their hometown? Well, first of all, I was driving down Rio Grande Boulevard 
And, uh, you know, I lived down there towards the big curve on Rio Grande. I mean, I grew up there. So theoretically, I've driven down that road hundreds and hundreds of times to the point where the hotel I'm staying at this time, you got you come off of I-40, you take a left on Rio Grande. No less than three times have I taken a right out of force of habit from so many years. But I do get depressed and it's not nostalgia. I don't know why, you, you know, what's compelling me to look at homes here or to look at a, a, maybe a place to to have a house to end up in uh, i just have this idea about new mexico for a while it was albuquerque and then i realized like i don't need to live in the city i grew up in it would drive me nuts but then i started thinking well that's not really what it's about it's not a nostalgia trip it's because new mexico is beautiful it is northern new mexico is beautiful and it has a, a profound impact on my psyche but i've been looking at places up behind the mountain up in uh, off Old 14, up in Cerrillos, in that area, in between here and Santa Fe. And this house came up, up there, and in the pictures, it looked kind of amazing. Uh, a little two-bedroom house with a, that was once a little lavender farm, and there's it's beautifully landscaped, and it seems to be situated, you know, in, in the middle of the, of the uh, kind of rocky, sort of hilly mountains back there, up in that area. But I swear to God, you guys, when I get just here with my own thoughts, I, I get profoundly sad and it's heavy, heavy hearted. And it, sure it's about my dad, but it's also about New Mexico. And I started to realize like, what do I, what am I looking for here? Why am I looking at houses here? What would, why would I want to come back here? And I just find it's necessary for me at this point in my life to re-engage my memories, but not in some sort of weird nostalgia way. It's, it, I'm not nostalgic for anything. I don't think. But I do think that coming home, there was something comforting about the idea that when this was your home, you'd go out into the world and then you'd come back home and you'd see people that you grew up with and, and be like, what have you been doing? Where have you been at? How's it been here? You know, you were younger people and this was always sort of a home base. And then that drifts away if you leave home for good, where it's like, it's still your home, but you, you know, it's not, it's not the same. You're not some returning, you, you know, uh, warrior <laughs> with tales from the world. Not really. You're just a guy who grew up in a place who comes back looking for something to give his life meaning in a way to see and remember where you come from, to re-engage your memories or to activate them so you can remember who you were and how you behaved at different points in your life. You know, in the world today, when we're just sort of saturated with garbage and bullshit and drifting down rabbit holes and, and, and destroying our brains daily with, with, uh, with so much information that just becomes almost uh, it's like a, a, a chaotic like you're dumping a cyclone into your fucking head every day and on top of that we're disjointed we're not in touch with people we're uh, isolated in our own weird way maybe you're zooming maybe you're texting but it, it's just there's something about wondering about who the fuck am i really who am i in this world People keep chattering, they keep talking, or people keep looking and, and scrolling and streaming and, and swiping. It's just, who are we? How did we behave back in the day when you actually talked to people in person? What were we doing when things were paced differently? And I get into that groove when I come back to New Mexico. But I think I had the realization this time, coming back home, that there is nothing for me here other than my memories. And I go up to Cerritos to look at this house. I meet two real estate agents there at a gate off of Old 14. We drive like a mile and a half 
on a dirt road into this pocket and the realtor representing the seller of the house said it's like the hole in the wall gang and i'm like oh my god it kind of is from butch and sundance you just come upon this little pocket where it's surrounded by hills this little house it's a little piece of property a mile and a half in on a dirt road there's really nothing around there's another house maybe a half a mile away but it's out there it's in the sticks the woman who owned the place was just leaving and i looked at the place and it's cute as hell used to be a lavender farm. She used to run a little lavender business out of there. I'm with these two women, these real estate agents. We're we're talking a bit, but I'm just looking. I'm standing out on the porch, and there's this wind coming through, and there's this silence that was amazing. It wasn't quite as zen because there was a a, a wind to it, but there was just this almost like prairie quiet, this mesa quiet, this, you know, off-the-grid type of quiet, just the wind And it was so peaceful that I realized in that moment that if I lived there, even for a week, I would lose my fucking mind. (laughs) I can't, I can barely, I mean, maybe I'd have things to do. Maybe I'd garden. I just don't know if I'm cut out for that life. Maybe if I really want to live out here, I should move closer to a city because it'd be a schlep. To get in there, and what if I fall down in the yard and I crack my head open? I'm just going to lie there and rot until someone finds me. And then, like, as we're driving out, I mean, it's beautiful. And I really want to be the kind of person that could live that life. I just don't know. I need to be engaged, man. And I don't know how good the internet is out there. And as we're driving back, we see the woman who owns the place about a mile down the road, sitting in her car, using her phone, because that's where she could get cell signal. And I'm like, I don't know, man. So that fantasy is slowly dying. The living off the grid in Cerritos, that might be slowly dying. I don't know what to hang on to anymore. But here's the odd thing. I went up into the attic before I left for this trip to find my diploma because I need my diploma because I'm applying for something that requires my degree. They need to see it with a lot of other stuff. And... uh I'm going through these boxes up in the attic and I found this envelope of pictures of my father where, uh, of, of, I don't know where I got them. I must've got them from his aunt or maybe from my grandmother at some time, but they're pictures of him when he was two, three years old in college, just a big bunch of pictures, childhood pets, stuff like that. You know, him and his father, when he was pictures of him, when he was a teenager, it was just this envelope that I'd completely forgotten I had. And I was like, holy shit. I'm going to take this to Albuquerque and I'm going to go through this with my father to sneak in a memory test with him, you know. It was fortuitous or serendipitous, I think is better. I did, you know, I had a conversation with the kid, the cat lady over what which word is better, but probably serendipitous because I was leaving and I just I didn't I wouldn't have remembered having that thing. So I got here the, and I went over to my dad's house to spend a few hours, took him to lunch. Uh, the Chinese place and we talked about stuff you know and, and like you know he's engaged there's stuff there it's not you, you know it seems it was seems maybe it was just he's having a good couple of days but we get back and I put the mics on him and eventually I think we'll we'll uh, we'll release that as some of the bonus material for WTF plus um, members but we went through these pictures and he remembered, man, he remembered all his fraternity brothers. He remembered his childhood pet's name, both of them. 
It was kind of touching. And in that envelope, there was a, a handwritten copy of his valedictorian speech from high school. And he read it. He read it. He couldn't believe he wrote it. It was kind of, a, it, it's, it's sweet. It was a sweet moment. And, uh, and it was just like, it was, uh, you know, this is what you do, man. This is what you do. This is what I'm doing. I come out here. I'm melancholy at first. I get depressed and weirded out because I don't know what to do here anymore. There's, it's like, it, it's in terms of my history, a lot of it is like driving through a ghost town, but you know, it's not empty. It's just, you know, the ghosts are just, they're just other people. So it's just a very, there are chunks of time that disappear between, hey man, what are you doing since uh, you graduated from college? It's been a few years and now it's like, how's your health? <laughs> Is everything okay? Are your parents still alive? No, I'm, I heard about that. I'm sorry. This is what happens, man. And I'm spending time with my old man. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so here we go. Naomi Hickparigen. I'm going to ask her about that name. She co-hosts the podcast Couples Therapy along with Andy Beckerman. She has her own half hour of the Netflix series The Stand-Ups. And she's also on the Apple TV Plus series Mythic Quest. This is me talking to Naomi Hickparigen. The pets are like, I can't, it, it's it's also heartbreaking because I know now like with the world ending and stuff, yeah. you put more focus on your yep. <laughs> Like It's just sort of like, oh my God, don't you, you can't go. Yep. Got, it's like terrible. I it's, know. It's a little, it's a little difficult. And today was difficult. I, you know, I didn't know how, uh, how it was going to go. And I don't know when we'll run this, but this is the day that the world was dreading. Yep. The uh, the they overturned Roe v. Wade, and how, how what what's the immediate thing do you feel? You know, I am filled with a rage, yeah. as but also a weariness. You know, a true weariness with the age. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and because it is that again, we knew this was coming, right? They leaked the the remix right. a couple weeks, That's a couple right. months ago. I yeah, mean, yeah. so it's like, but at the same time, to just know that, you know, your rage is kind of useless. That, you need that, some action on it, and just the extent to which I don't know. All I see around me is rage and tweets and correcting yeah. each other. Yeah, I, I don't like. That's the, the the horrible thing is that kind of like uh, that heartbreaking powerlessness. Yes, yes. And it, it's like the rage goes right to almost like like it's very hard not to turn it not inward, but it's there's nowhere for it to, to go. To be paralyzed, yeah. It's hard for it to not be paralyzing. Like, right. I did have pasta for breakfast. I'm not lying. Is that how I live? No, Mark. It's not how I live, but it's how I feel good for 20 minutes. Today is pasta day. Uh-huh. I said forget it. I know. I, I'm finding I'm doing that, too. It's like, I'll, some more butter. <laughs> What's the point, man? Who, like, Mark, did you think, because I'm, I'm like, it sucks living through history. I didn't think I was going to live through some actual history. Like, I could see the book being written right. as I live it. Yeah. No, I, I, I used like to it. do a bit about that. You know, like about how, like, you know, I, most of us didn't think we'd see the end of the world, but it looks like we're going to get in under the wire. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, you know, this, <sighs> and for me to realize that this was enacted and dis, and overturned in my lifetime. Yes. Like, but, I mean, I was 
eight years well, old yeah, yeah. in 72, but mm-hmm. it, it is something that was given and taken away in a lifetime. Right. And, you know, contextualizing all this stuff, it's just, it's just scary. And I, I don't know, um, you're a person of color. I'm a Jew. You know, there, there are things that are happening you know, more frequently now that you don't, it's sort of like, what am I supposed to do? Exactly. I mean, well, of course, because we all talk about what we would have done if we had been there sure. back in right. the day. And then you realize the extent to which, well, because you know what it is, it requires collective action that on one hand, we hear each other's mouth all the time on social. And the, on the yeah. other hand, we don't know nobody That's and we're right. not going to step up for anybody. You That's know right. what women need to do? We need to all not go to work yeah. for one day across right. the country. But yeah. will we all get along? No, I don't know. We can't get a Google Doc going. That's right. We can't get an email chain going on yeah. that. Yeah, but but I don't think a lot of people are, are. I think there's a very complex shallowness going on. I don't think that people really know the impact. I mean, obviously, with this, most women know the impact. Mm-hmm. But with generally, I think people are very uninformed, yeah. and there's a lot of information out there. It's hard to contextualize it. It's hard to know what's real and what isn't. But most people don't give a shit. Yeah, right. If it doesn't directly affect them, and most of the time they can't see how it directly affects them. Exactly. Well, one of my biggest, nothing I hate more than when you hear a politician say, as a father of a daughter, (laughs) right? right. Why is it that you need to literally have made a woman to get the plight of a woman? I know. It infuriates me. Like, it has to be personal. Whereas, like, to me, it's just like, you know, we all need the right to do with ourselves yeah. what we want with ourselves. And that shouldn't need to be personal. Like, Cause also to me, it's also the triple. It is the, it is both Roe v. Wade, uh, concealed carry yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Miranda rights yeah. all in the same week. And it's a pummeling. I think that's why we need more butter. Right. Cause yeah. we, cause it's like you get like, that's like a triple hit. In a way that if you do care, yeah, it feels like oh I know. Well, they you, just want us dead. You can't, they just want us dead. Yeah, you can't breathe. You can't. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 overwhelming. I've been like with the uh, the choice thing. I've been telling, I've been saying on stage. I've been talking to uh, to men specifically in my mind, where I'm like, you know, most of you guys have paid for one of these. So <laughs> <laughs> where's your voices? You right. know, all uh, right. I don't. I. I don't know. It's I just. Know. It's so. I. For me, I go right to like. Is it time to go yet? I know. We- I, I know. But then I go. What else would I do? Like, unfortunately, I right. have this dream and like only skill in one thing. That I'm like. I guess I have to stay here. Maybe stay and London. Fight London. I don't know if it's so great over there. Either. I know exactly. And like, I'm like, okay, maybe Canada. Canada might buy you another five years. Ex- right. It right. might well, extend that, I, I the time think, a little. I think Canada. Yeah. Well, there's a lot less people. In Canada. That's true. That's but, true. But it's not going well up there either. It isn't. Like well, I, keep I just seeing... get the sense that it's not because I'm hearing things, you know, especially racially. Yeah, me too. yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I mean, I was talking about Amsterdam just because I like it and they speak English. So maybe they'll let me do stand up. It's a little uh, you know? Amsterdam. I, the last time I was there, I was like, it's a little dirty here. <laughs> On a lot of levels. It's a little, like the tourist business has really sort of gotten nasty in a way. Mm. It's a pretty city. It's pretty. But I I was like, you know, if you don't want to smoke hash and you're not 20 and you're not fascinated with the legal prostitution. Right, right. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a livable city to me. Well, it feels like it's one of those like really expensive cities, right? Yeah. It almost felt like to me, central Amsterdam, which I saw, had that Times Square element. Like, Definitely, you don't want right. to live in Midtown. Right, you yeah. don't want to live where it's old, That old sleazy Times Square. 
Times Square element. That vibe. And it was funny. I saw a dude, I remember seeing a guy haggling with a sex worker. And it was just like, oh my God. Babe, pay the price. <laughs> Pay the price, babe. You already came here. Don't you dare try to talk somebody down yeah. from the yeah. cost of what it is to lick your taint. Yeah. You've got to pay that person That's in right. full. Yeah, give her what the, it's on the menu. Honey, it's li- price is listed. The price is listed. Yeah, yeah. Where now? Where do you? Where did you come from? I grew up in New York. I'm from New York I grew City, up in Harlem. Yep. Really? Yep. How far up? Where? What? One thirty-fifth. Yeah. Yep. Is it nice? It is now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's funny because, you know, I definitely, you know, I grew up 80s, 90s Harlem. and uh, It the, wasn't good then? It was just starting to get good or what? It didn't start to get good till what? When did Red Rooster come on 125th Street? Oh, that's right. When did the condo, when did Columbia start buying more places right, right, over right. that way? Yeah. What's that guy's name, the uh, Red Rooster guy? The Marcus the Samuelson. Yes. I used mm-hmm. to watch him on Shopped. I thought he was a smart guy i, I saw, never ate there did you eat there i did is it good sure okay you know it, um it is it's interesting to me i always think <laughs> like reimaginings of soul food are like are funny to me like that's not what i go to soul food for yeah there's never enough you know? of it anything that anytime something's reimagined it's like this cornbread's a little small <laughs> It's like it's like cornmeal soup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. evocative of cornbread. cornbread yeah, you know, just, yeah, just bring the cornbread. <laughs> These aren't collard greens. This is like pureed something. You know, it, yeah, it's know. kohlrabi yeah, with yeah. a black-eyed pea puree. Yeah. Like no it's bacon too much. though. No bacon. <laughs> I want it heavy. Yeah. And fatty. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but it started. But was it a? Did it shift up there because of a gentrification thing? Yeah. Or did, so yeah. Yeah. It was. You know, it's funny just because growing up. So. I grew up in Harlem. Yeah. I went to school up there until fifth grade. Then I went to school in the Upper East Side. And, you what know. What do your parents uh, do? My mom's a lawyer. For, um, she's a family court attorney. And your dad? So, uh, he was all, he's all, I don't know what his ass do, Mark. Oh, really? I don't know what he do now. <laughs> I don't know what he do now. He not, was a lawyer. He's not around anymore? He, he ain't that far, but we don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> when did that start? Ooh, child. We probably... It got dicey for us around 2005. Oh, so you're kind of a grown-up already. Exactly. Well, like, no, my parents divorced when I was very young. Okay. So he was gone from maybe like 5 to 11. Then yeah. he came back and was like, hey, I'm I'm out. I'm I'm I'm, I'm out. out of rehab. You have a brother, oh. and I was like, okay. And then wait, you're out. I'm out of rehab. You have a brother. Yeah, I didn't know because uh-huh. you know he had some other lady and yeah. a younger brother. And so we kind of interacted. Like I would see him for a while in high school, and then as I got to college, we started to drift in the way I think you just drift in college. But the difference is like I would go home to my mom, right? So of right. course I saw her. Whereas him, he was like, you never call me. Right, but your anger takes a different shape as you get older. Yeah, yes. I, right. You don't understand when you're younger, and you just want to be, you know, want you to be want back. Con- yeah, connection. Yep. But when you get older, you're like, no, oh, fuck that. Exactly, exactly. And it was also that feeling too, where it's like, well, what? It, and this is the thing I constantly wonder: what does it look like now, as a grown adult? Yeah. To be like, Daddy, what? what? Yeah, I know. It's I don't like, know how who you. Who are you? Who are you? So you don't. They, you were how old when they got divorced? Six, maybe. Oh, so you kind of remember? Kind of remember. And then when he came back, when I was like in my But you knew he had teens, problems? You knew, like, was it like- I didn't know he had problems until he came back. Oh. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on when yeah, I was yeah. a little- And your and mom then, didn't tell you ever? Not until on the flip side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, well, you know, it's so interesting to tell yeah. this, right? Because, of course, I'm telling someone else's story. And you know how some fa- black families can be about telling people business. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you, like, the moment. So I was sitting at home one day. 
I was 10 years old. I was probably by myself for all of two hours, like not much. You know, my mom yeah. ran to do something. But the phone rings and I pick it up and a male voice, yeah. you know, and I'm like, hello, whatever. He's like, is this Naomi? And I said, yes. He goes, do you know who this is? I said, no. He goes, it's your father. I hung up the phone, screamed, almost called the police. I said, I'm about to be murdered. Who is this person? What is this person doing? Like, that was my introduction. That was him, I guess, being like, hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then when my mom came home and I told her what happened, yeah, she was like, okay, let me sit you down and tell you where he's been and what has happened. And you were 10? Yeah, like 10, 11. And what was the lowdown? That he had a, a drug problem, yeah. had been in rehab, had yeah. gone off, yeah. you know, obviously made another baby, did yeah. whatever he was doing, uh-huh. right? Like, I don't think he called me, like, fresh from the bus station, right? right? Like, I yeah, think he yeah, had been yeah. out and done Planned stuff. Planned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know how long. Wow. Yeah. Um, And so, okay. And then he was back, and it was kind of like, okay, cool. He I came back? It was or like, he just back in your life? Back in my life. They worked yeah. together. No, no, no. He, right, like, you right. know, um, but- I'm What was his story? I mean, where did he, like, you know, was he from New York? He's from Nigeria. Like, real Nigeria? Real Nigeria, yep. My parents met in law school in New York. Yeah. But he grew up, born and raised, all his family and siblings and uh, everything like that. My grandmother is a, his mother is a pastor in Africa. Really? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's kind of interesting, though. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm, it's funny, she texted me this morning. Your grandmother? Yeah, she texted me. I, because, okay, so... Yeah. I was a little bit of a unplanned baby. And so when my mom, after she had me, yeah. uh, I lived with my grandmother in Nigeria for, I don't know, nine-ish months while my mom took, so she could study and take the bar exam. You went to Nigeria? Yeah. So, so yeah. your mom could have the space to do her work? Yep, because she said, I got to raise the baby. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to get this law done. I'm going to have to pass it. So she's going to have to go to Nigeria for nine months. <laughs> exactly. That seems like a hell of a trip for a newborn. I know. I had to have been a couple months old by that point. But I still am like, wasn't that a good 20 hours? Like, how right. long was I on the plane? Yeah. Who took you? Your dad? I think my grandma might have. She right? came she and got flown you? In. She would have flown wow. maybe and took me back. Interesting. I know. I think that's when I also think about that's wild that my mother had to do that. Had to say, there take my baby. When someone, you know, well, yeah, I guess she didn't want to trust anybody too nearby because then she wouldn't get the space. I wonder. I mean, I assume because like, she'd want to be over there. And wait, yeah, yeah, you don't know. You haven't asked her. Like, why'd you just get rid of me for nothing? <laughs> I know why, but yeah, I was like, I, I guess. Right, right. What I right. want to ask her is, yeah, what did it feel like? Yeah, yeah. Couldn't have, like, why couldn't I have been closer? Yes, or that feeling of you know. At times, our relationship has been contentious, and I do wonder, you know. Now again, now on the other side of being an adult, yeah. you know, she had me at twenty four. She right. had to go drop me off. You know, I had to go to Africa for a hot minute. That's a lot. <laughs> I had to go to Africa. <laughs> it was like, could you take the baby to Africa for a wow. minute? That's a lot. It's too bad you can't. You can't remember. No, I mean I have. And then we we used to go when I was younger. Oh, you did when my parents were together, and then you after visited? they divorced. Yeah, that's such a long trip, man. I love to travel though. Like I am, yeah. I am a like put me on a plane. Like I, I mean, I hate the process of getting on the plane, but I actually love being on airplanes. Yeah, but for the, I mean, like I've flown to like uh, Australia and come like mm-hmm. fourteen to eighteen hours. I'm like I've had enough of the plane. 
I know what you mean, but you just kind of walk the aisles for a minute, stretch the legs. So. But the bathrooms get so nasty. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but what? It's just sort of like, what is wrong with people? Do you ever find that in a like a plain bathroom? It's like, what is? What are you Absolutely. doing? But um, Mark, it's because we don't care about each other. There's no class solidarity, and we're I not guess. forming a coalition to keep the bathroom clean after we use it. That's that's true. And and I think people are just sort of like, I'm not going to clean it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But have you been to Africa as an adult? No, uh, I have not. Mm-mm, I have not. I haven't been back whew, since I was maybe eight. It's nine, just like I have no time. sense of what that what it's like. It'd it, be like going to a whole different world. For I me. think it's well. It's interesting now, right? Because I think what I know and what it is now is so very different in terms of you know having been built up, modernized. Yeah. You know, like Nigeria's right. got the whole like Nollywood Nigerian film industry. Really? Yeah. So it's like it's a totally different thing than even what I know. But you have family there still. Yeah. Yeah. You want to come with me? You can come with me, and then everyone can be so focused on who this random white dude is that I don't have to have hard conversations. You right. want to do that? Yeah, yeah. I guess it. Yeah, yeah. I'd go, I'd go. <laughs> for a little while. I, I be it, not for a few weeks. Okay. Yeah, okay. we don't have to plan it. Okay. Okay. So when you, so you're just growing up with your mom then mostly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no siblings that you knew of yet? Not yet, nope. I mean, I had the two younger brothers, but we sort of uh, fell away again as I like graduated college and went off into life, and my resentment for my father took over. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, but they're what, now adults. So what was the school you went to? High school? You mean like middle school, high school? Yeah. Dalton. What Dalton is that? Dalton School. It's like a fancy schmancy Upper East Side private school. It is one Whose of the idea ones was you that? think of. Uh, my mom's because, so I was going to Catholic school up in Harlem and then it turns out my mom found out, I think it was around when she found out that I was grading spelling tests Uh and no longer allowed. Like she was like, oh no, no, no. Are you on payroll? No. Then you cannot be doing that. And it was all about, you know, challenging me. I need to be challenged. Oh, because you were gifted in certain ways? Yeah. You know, a little smart. Yeah. And how was Dalton? Um, it's funny. Uh, it was terrible in the beginning and then i think i learned i made my way uh and so i think i left kind of being like okay that was fine but when i looked back and i think in particularly when i got to college and realized like oh there's nothing wrong with me it was them maybe like it was that space like oh yeah like what made well, you because, feel you know there was that's that's a level of wealth right on another it's like another right. level how many black people were there oh, i was one of eight in my oh. grade <laughs> oh man yeah yeah. And also, too, like when I started, because I started in sixth grade. Yeah, it had to be six. Anyway, but I was 10 because I'm like a little, my birthday's late. Yeah. But I was like already like five, four, wearing a bra. Like it was like, you know, and like all these like little skinny white girls yeah. who are just like, you know, like they would make, I got made fun of for wearing a medium. Yeah. A medium. <laughs> Honey, I'd kill for a medium right now, Mark Mary. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, and the shame I felt, like just being bigger and, you know, no boys ever liked me, so I thought it was hideous. And then I got yeah. to college, and then I was like, no, I ain't. And then I'm like, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. that got corrected. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, the, but of course I learned a lot, and I feel like in a way, given that now I'm in a business where I'm judged by white people all the time. Yeah. Dalton was a good training ground. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Started me early. Yeah, I, it's like, I can't imagine that. I, I mean, it's very hard for me to to know what that would feel like, to not to feel isolated like that in a way. Well, you grew people. up in New Mexico. Yeah, but like- Were I'm, there Jews? Uh, a few. 
There was enough. I mean, enough. We, went, we went to Hebrew school, but I okay. mean, it, being Jewish, you can sort of pass. Yeah, sort you, of, but depending where. Sometimes they won't let true. you. Yeah, they yeah, won't yeah, let yeah. you in certain places. Well, I always, I always think I could, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't. There was enough of you know. I went to Hebrew school and mm-hmm. stuff, okay. and, and I still have friends who I grew up with that are Jewish. Yeah, but still, high school was just sort of you know, it's basically town. You know, just yeah, it was mostly in New Mexico. So. When I was growing up, it was probably sixty or seventy percent Latino. Uh huh. So there was that. Yeah. But it never felt like you know we were the right. you know minority. You were alone, or, right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Why are all the Jewish kids sitting together in the cafeteria? No, no. We right. all the Jews were spread out, and there was a few yeah. at my school, and maybe we weren't understood, but it wasn't we were we weren't Hasidic, right? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like why can't you go out on Friday night? Like, I can exactly. Yeah. But yeah. to be one of eight, that, I mean, it's got to be icy. Well, it was also like different. I remember so distinctly before before I started, I was like, I thought I thought white people would be nice because they were nice on TV, and I knew that white girls wash their hair every day because that's what I heard on TV. <laughs> like that's what I knew about white folks, yeah. and I certainly didn't know. You know, when people are like, "I'm Jewish," I didn't know that Jewish was different. Yeah, from white, yeah. or in its own way, right? Like kind of, I guess. I, I mean, I well, don't know. as it was described to me, sure, like okay, sure. we're a group doing our own thing. Right, 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 right. It's a, I didn't know that, yeah. and then I, um, you know, didn't understand like. So you know, I started in sixth grade. Seventh grade is bar and bat mitzvah season, <laughs> yeah. and that becomes so you're doing the you're doing making the rounds, making the rounds, honey. Yeah, I still remember a half tour portion after all these years. <laughs> okay, but, but that if that was upper if that was upper class stuff, they must have been themed. Oh parties yeah, tavern and, on the green, honey. Right. Yeah, We've got the yeah. Nick City dancers <laughs> coming through. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. highest classiest. Never been to a party as great as a bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to this day. Because when I was a kid, I mean, I was in New Mexico, but they didn't have those themed. <laughs> you know, it was like I've I've heard some crazy stuff about that. That's what my that's what my fiance says too. He's like, because he grew up in Pennsylvania, and he's like, well, he's like, mine was at the temple. Okay, you, calm down. Like you, the party you know? was at the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right, downstairs, right, right, you know. Right. He's like, that's a different thing. So you're engaged to a Jewish guy. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I say husband and fiance interchangeably because it's been t- over twelve years uh-huh. at this point. But uh, yeah, yeah. That's so you, you know, know. There it is. There it is. Yeah, of course. I get it. But it's, but it's just funny because like growing up in New York, right? Like I didn't know Jews were a minority. Yeah. And as far as I knew, they was everywhere sure. and they was thriving. Yeah. And then he was like, "Honey, that's yeah. New York. Yeah. That's not the rest of the country." That's true. It, like, You're right. You're when, right. With all this attention being paid to anti-Semitism, because there seems to be much more of it, as a Jew, you start to sort of like go like, "Really? There's only that many of us?" <laughs> so. <laughs> That's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. The numbers are very low. Exactly. When you look yeah. at the percent, it's low. Like if they really focused. Yep. Yeah. It's, a... <laughs> it's scary. It's very scary. What are we going to do? I don't know. Should I buy a bunker? I've been, I've been trying to save money to buy a house, but now I think I should put it into a bunker. I don't know. Like a bunker, that's sort of for like, I think more of an explosive ending. If you're going to get a bunker with a turret and guns. Yeah. That if they're thinking of the whole compound, I am thinking <laughs> compound. I just think that I'm mostly going to be living underground. You see what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Because also too, you know, think about how that sun is going to kill us all, right? It's going to be so bright. The heat is unending. Yeah, I, I want to be uh, under where it's cool. Whoa. Well, we'll see. All right. Maybe just a rainy place. I'd settle for water. Yes, just having some fresh, just having mm-hmm. some freshy nearby. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know they say Ohio's where we got to go. 
Yeah. Because of the Great Lakes. Is that it? Yeah, apparently we're in the middle. They got that lake there, fresh, fresh. Oh, yeah. Ohio, I heard Montana maybe. They don't want, me Vermont, they don't want us in Montana. We can go to Vermont cold. though. Vermont will be good for us, but it's we'll be freezing. Be cold. Yeah, we'll be yeah, freezing. We'll die the first yeah. winter. Vancouver I like. Now, does that get really cold? It doesn't get really cold, but okay. it gets rainy as fuck. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. So what happened? So where'd you go to college? So what'd you like? What'd you learn at that prep school? Did you do theater or anything? Uh, a little bit. I did yeah. a little, a very little bit. Um, but that is definitely where I started to get that itch. Like I went and was on, like I would audition for the play. Yeah, I didn't get in, but that's fine. But then when I got to college, I went to Wesleyan in Connecticut, Middletown, Connecticut, which is that's another fancy school. Yeah, liberal arts, cute, fancy. It's definitely also too, you know. Wesley and it was like back then when I was a freshman, you know, the gender neutral pronouns were Z and Zier. Okay. What the hell is that? That was before we were saying they, them. Zier? Z? Z? Yeah, like Z. Uh, you mean I missed a whole thing? Yeah, you missed that. Like, I'm that was a... like beta. Oh, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. What year was that? 2001. Oh my God. I, I, I'm really starting <laughs> to be that guy. Like, where, what year? When, when was that? How old are you? What, how did I miss all of that music? <laughs> I don't keep up with any music. I'm definitely, when it comes to all that, I feel, I try to like go on TikTok. I yeah, went, see, even and that, I can't. I it upsets me. I made an account only because someone was like, there's a clip of yours on TikTok that's like going viral, so to speak, whatever. Yeah. So I said, oh, I better get on TikTok. Right. I can't keep up with that. Who put this clip up? How does that happen? It was a clip from my late night set that they kind of took down to a minute. And it was some, it was some account that was like, you know, like daily life. They just liked it. Oh, okay. They just like found, you know, they just can kind of, can you like, did they, do they need rights for that or doesn't matter? I guess not. Yeah. (laughs) Did it go viral? It got like over a million and people were like, funny, funny, funny. And I'm like, okay, they don't even know it's me. I need to get some. I don't know that part, Mark. I've never understood the the businessy part, the online part. the. But you're on Instagram, right? I'm on it. But like in terms of. You're not making cute things. Exactly. I don't have a concern. It's like, I'm not sitting there going, how do I build this brand? I don't either. I'll do some live Instagrams and hang out, but I don't. I don't know. Like the other day, I was sort of like, "Do I need to be on TikTok?" And I'm like, "I'm a, I'm 58 years old." I mean, like the weird thing is, is I could probably do something weird enough for kids to enjoy. Yep. But then I'll just get hooked on it. It's not going to help me any. <laughs> I'll then, just be feeding it every day. But then also too, do you want the, do you want them to come to your shows? Not really? Exactly. I've heard that there are people doing sets specifically to get. TikTok videos, like they're doing crowd work. Like I know guys who have people who open for them on the road who are local comics that just do crowd work with their phone on so they can get TikTok and videos. Then re- they don't, and then repost it. Right, but they don't give a shit about the show. Right, they don't give a right. shit about you know, what it means to be part of the show. Cool. No, cool, isn't yeah. that fun? No, what they, isn't it cool and great to be here as you watch like everything <laughs> no. you work towards as a comic just be relegated even, to I, nothingness? I just don't even bring opener anymore. I just you go don't. on and I just do the long sets. But see, you, I mean, I just, I just want to get to a point, and I'm looking forward to a point where I can fill a house of people who are there to just see me. Right. I think it. I think it can happen in the major cities. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I think it's that feeling because I because you know it's interesting. Because I started stand-up in like 08. What'd you do in college, yeah? Uh, I was a film and English major, but I did improv, I did theater. That's where that's all the where, acting and everything started. Happened. Yeah, that's where it all popped off. There was an improv group on campus? Yeah, there that, were several. Come on now. Liberal Arts College. That had been there for a while? Like, uh-huh. was there a long-running improv? Yes, it was called Gag Reflex. Oh, the, of course. We were, we were long-running. Yeah. That's a good one, though. That is a good one. It's better than Mixed Nuts. <laughs> 
<laughs> the other one was Desperate Measures. Well, that's pretty good. And then there was a third, and I'm blanking on that. Were you but... competing? Was there a competition? Not, not really, but you know, it was like each one had to do their own kind of thing. Yeah. Like we were long form and they were short form. Oh, so you were doing Harold's? Or no? Were we? We were doing Armando's. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we were doing... And that's kind of how I found stand-up, because that would be the form where someone would give a word, one of us would do a monologue, and then we'd do scenes off the monologue. And I was oh. like, oh, I just want to do the monologue part. Oh, that's called Armando's? Yeah. And oh, I was yeah. like, that's all I want to do. Oh, yeah. And I kind of like... You don't need other people. Yeah, and it's also like, these other people are a wild card. Yeah, yeah. Like, once we get into the scene, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are no, you saying? I have no control over the others. <laughs> exactly. I need to just... <laughs> Focus on what I'm doing. Exactly. I yeah. was like, well, um, but I still like, I did improv for a little bit too at uh, UCB in New York after I graduated, partially just this sense of, yeah. I, I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was like, what's did the you outlet? Do, did you make films in college? We did like a couple of shorts, yeah. but I ended up writing. I wrote a like screenplay was a full my thing. Feature? Yeah. And that was like, that was my thesis. And that's kind of what I thought I was going to do when it yeah. was all over. Um, did you sell it? No, I didn't sell it. What was it about? Ugh, I can't even tell you. It was like so bad. It's just like a first screenplay. Do you know what I mean? It was like sure. black woman on a journey. Like really yeah. kind of like. Yeah. Where did that journey take that black woman? <laughs> Back to herself. <laughs> Good. It was the worst. Was it a comedy? or first Yes, story? it was supposed to be a comedy. It was yeah. supposed yeah. to be a comedy. I will. Um, did they grade you well? Of course they did. Yeah, what are they going to do? What is exactly? Hey, black lady, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. It was so funny. My film professor said to me when we were in a, we were having a meeting about the script, and I think I maybe given her an outline. Yeah. And she goes, "This is really meaningful, you know." Yeah. My sister had a black boyfriend in 1948. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, so we're like okay. family. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> I, I think that's the funny uh, part about certain types of white people. I imagine you must. I think you kind of talk about it in your act at some point in one of the uh, the Jan and uh, <laughs> Susan and Jan. Susan and Jan. That, My finest Palm Springs. The greatest well, Palm Springs. These fine. weird declarations they make to black people <laughs> to try to make a connection. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. My brother dated a black woman in the forties. <laughs> you know. Oh, okay. Congratulations. Good for you. <laughs> What have you done for me lately? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so when you now, what's your mom, the lawyer, think about all this show business uh, stuff that you're thinking about doing in college? Um, it was funny. At one point, I was like, I want to drop my English major and just do film because it was like I had these maybe two or three English credits where I was like, this is a pain in my ass to try to yeah, fill them. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, absolutely not. I am not spending money for you to learn about movies. Nobody needs to learn about movies. <laughs> and she was like, you are keeping that English major. Oh, she put her foot um, down, yeah. And, you know, and when I kind of got back to New York and I started doing stand-up, and um, my first job out of college, though, I was an actor with the National Theater of the Deaf, which was based in Connecticut. What is that? So what... It was children's theater, and it was me and two deaf actors, and we would travel the country. Do you know how to do, sign? I do. Not as well now, but I did then, and yeah. I worked as an interpreter for a little bit after. I got out of that at, um, after that what, year. What, uh, how, how, how did that come about? I literally just like got into it. I took an after-school program, yeah. and they taught us how to sign yeah. America the Beautiful. They were like, we're going to teach you guys this, and you're all going to put it on for the parents. Yeah, yeah. And I just loved it. I was like, okay, we can talk with our hands? Yeah. Okay, this is happening? <laughs> this is happening among people. Yeah. And so I got really interested. And then I got to college. I took some sign language classes there. I was a counselor at a camp for deaf and hard of hearing children hmm. one summer. And then 
because I was already at school in Connecticut and the National Theater of the Deaf was pretty close, I'd seen them perform. And so yeah. I also knew when they were having auditions and I was like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. And so I just, um, audi- I just auditioned and the next thing you know. So you're acting th- by signing? Yeah, I was voicing and signing. Voicing and so signing. So for the deaf, a- the deaf actors, they'd be signing. I would voice their lines yeah. and then my lines I would sign and speak at the same time. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a very rarefied skill in I, a way. I, I really still like to, like, I really would like to keep up with it. There's um a comic in New York named Andrew Fisher who is deaf, and uh-huh. he and I would sometimes get together. Cause just, I was like, I, I want to sign with someone, and then, of course, we would, like, talk comedy and in stuff signing? like that. Yeah, just, to, like, you know, meet at a coffee yeah, shop and just yeah. kind of work it out, and he'd correct me when I was like, What's this word again? Does it evolve signing? I guess there's two kinds, right? There's a there's a standard signing, then there's aren't there two Well, there's ASL right. and Amer- and like signed English and ASL has its own syntax. Right. Right. And so signed English Signed English is, is spelling? Just, no, signed English is like for instance if in an in ASL, if yeah. I wanted to say I went to the store, I would say I would sign yesterday store I go. Right. Right? Yeah. Whereas if I was gonna just sign to you in English, I would yeah. say like, I went to the store right. yesterday. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? One so that's thing the at a time. newer one? It's just like, not newer, I think it's just sort of, you know, deaf people with other deaf people are gonna sign ASL. Yeah. And maybe if you are talking to a hearing person or their sign isn't great, yeah. you might sign English with them. Oh, so, so <laughs> to help you gotta know, know two languages. Kind of, basically, yeah, yeah. right? Because if you read a book, the book is in English. I guess The book is in English syntax. Right. Right. So you'd have to. I guess we all kind of have to learn a few languages in terms of who we talk to. Well, ain't that the way. truth? Yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning with age to stop changing because I definitely used to change how I interacted, especially with white people. Oh yeah. And how? now I've just really let it go. What's, what was the difference? I would just rein it all in because because white people are sensitive. Yeah. And so I wouldn't like be as. Like I like to tease a little bit. Yeah. I'm a little overly familiar. Yeah. I'm a little like I'll tell you about yourself. Yeah. You know, and I used to just really not do that. I also used to just be a much shyer person, and now I think I'm just kind of like whatever. Like it's funny to me. Like my audience is white girls love me, Mark. Sure. And I'm like, really? Yeah. I thought I was literally roasting you for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And yet they're showing up. Sure, they feel seen, and they <laughs> and they feel. They feel like they deserve it. It's perfect. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. No, I like when in your act when you get that, that anger voice going. You know, it's a deeper kind of ragey thing. Oh, I love anger. Don't it feel good? It's like stretching. It's like stretching your legs when you just get to yell with a talking stick. Yeah. So, okay, so you graduate, you get your degree in English and film. Yep, and I do the National Theater of the Deaf for a hot, for like uh, a year. That's a long time. And then I, and then I come back to, to New, New York. York. And what's your mom saying? Get a job, get a job. Did she ever want you to go to law school? Well, she thought, she was like, you know, when Naomi, with my English degree, that's how I, you know, right. I, that's what got me to law school, so you could do a lot with English. So, you know, it was funny, because it was like times when I would say I would be between jobs, or I would be temping. Yeah. And... You know, at one point she told me, she was like, I didn't work this hard for this to be your sure, life. Right. And it was like, <laughs> like you know, yeah. that to me is the difference between, you know, again, I didn't grow up poor, but I certainly grew up with an awareness of what money was and what we right, had. Right, the difference between, couldn't. you know, uh, it, it's sort of being awoken from uh, the illusion of privilege. Yes. 
yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And just like, oh, you know, the people who are like, your 20s are for playing, yeah. right? Like some people's parents sure. feel that way sure. and are like, okay, you're just going to kind of putter around for a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And it was very much like, you need to work. So it wasn't until, so I'm doing stand-up, right? And my mom would ask me about it, but then she was, you know, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, it's fine. I was like, oh, there's no, like, I was like, oh, small crowd or no one there. You know, like a bar show. Well, in yeah, New York. like where were you doing it though? How you, you were at UCB for how long? You just took some classes? Yeah, I just took some classes. I'll say like a couple years, long enough to meet the nice Jewish boy. Oh, the guy you got of, now? Yeah, then get out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. But you did, you did, you didn't uh, like the sketch work, that work at all? I mean, um, the stand, uh, oh, like the improv and stuff. Again, as I said, I didn't like having to rely on other people. Yeah, but didn't help your writing, you don't think? Being around other people? No. no, not really. <laughs> no, I didn't do sketch. It was just the improv classes. Yeah. So I felt like, and then my the final class I took was me and fourteen dudes. Right. That was my very last class, and I was like, Nah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm yeah, done yeah. here. I cannot continue this life. Right. Interesting. It was that I was um, all dudes. Yep. It was just me and the fourteen of them, and I actually ran into I forget somebody he, you know here on LA, and he's like, Do you remember in our class when we did that scene about a clitoris convention or something? And I was like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. It's <laughs> like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he felt uncomfortable. I think I got it. Almost go. feels like there should have been an apology that followed that question, <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's like, and I'm like, and then he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed." I was like, "Well, y'all really kept at it." <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was so wild. Where were you doing stand up at the beginning? Just mics and stuff. Yep, mics. A lot of you know the East Village, West Village bar shows. Yeah, yeah. And I think I got up. You know, I wasn't someone. Two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight. I mean, I really would say probably those first five years, right? Like, I'm just kind of doing bar shows and stuff. Union Hall and Bell House and all that. Yeah. That hasn't popped off yet it at hasn't. that point. It was like kind of, it kind of came up. So like Merman wasn't doing his thing yet? He was. No, no. He Right. He had his shows, at, uh, but they weren't there yet. Weren't they at, um... What was the name of the I'm place? I'm blanking on the name of the place. Because oh. I wasn't in with those, I wasn't in with those people. Were they, were they a little older? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just talked to somebody else. I talked to, oh, who was I talking to? Like there's a whole generation of comics that I just missed because I was I was already doing this and like a lot of you 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 uh, comics from when I started this in 2009 yeah you were just starting yep so there's no way for me to know you would have just been like open micers I know but now it's like 2022 <laughs> and you're all grown up comics <laughs> so I missed this whole like now I've got this whole other world of comedians to talk to who actually have chops and have paid some dues oh thank you so much well I mean because I was listening to you and it was of course um, my husband that got me into this podcast and I would listen to it like what are co- comedians saying oh yeah what are the, what are the working guys did saying you, yeah did you take anything away from any of that I mean, to me, I am. If you let me get into stand up, yeah. like talk about it, yeah. I can get very um, didactic in terms of like, you need to be able to stand up and make a crowd laugh <laughs> with your words. I don't want to see nothing yeah. else. I don't want to see no PowerPoint presentation. No, not <laughs> no, uh, no, not, no uh, amplified charm. I mean, you yeah, can have yeah. your charm. I just, I just want. And I, you know what I also like though, and I do think that you were part of this shift. I like people who are being themselves. Yeah. I want to watch somebody and get a sense of who they are. Yeah, me too. And yeah. so even if I don't like it, it's like I love feeling like I'm being taken on a ride or invited sure. in. Sure. And so I have a hard time connecting with a lot of character stuff yeah. and ironic yeah. stuff, which is like not bad. But I'm like, well, it's easy if I just say, 
LOL, that's not me. Right, right. It's right. wet. Or, or just up. sort of snark even. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, jokes for jokes sake. It's different. Yeah. I mean, like there are guys that I know that it, whose character, like there's some just joke people, but it's so specifically their point of view. You mm-hmm. can kind of see who they are. Yes. But there's nothing better than watching someone being authentic fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you really, you can really, really get to know that person. <laughs> How does the uh, how does the authentic guy tank? <laughs> oh, I love it though. I did a I did a set last night that was Where at? Lucy um permanent records over in Yeah, I know permanent records, Lance. The Lasso guy who owns it. Yeah, the, the little blonde haired guy that I owns haven't it. seen him. Yeah, it's a long blonde really? hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know him for years. Wait, have you done that show? No, or like but any I, show there? I've now. got records there. No, he asked me okay. to do them. I'm like, you know, dude, as much <laughs> as I love you, I think I'm beyond record store shows. I'm, just not, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna do comedy at the comedy store where comics do well, comedy. You, you know what's funny though? Well, first of all, my very first open mic was at the comedy store Ugh, in two thousand five. On a Monday? Yep. A Monday night potluck? Yep. For three minutes? Yep. How was that? Horrible? Um, yeah, it was so funny because I because I was visiting LA, visiting a friend. Yeah. And I had just finished working with the National Theater of the Deaf. And so, of course, my three minutes were just about working with the deaf. Yeah. Did you do any sign bits? No, I didn't sign, but no. I just like talked about that. But it was so funny because I went up and I saw these people, you know, lining up. And I was like, oh, fuck. I yeah. didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that I may not get on it. And then the woman, she had like a long blonde hair, older white lady. Yeah. And she looks at me and she goes, you're pretty. You will probably get up tonight because you have a girl's name. It's like what she said to me, like when they're picking the yeah, names yeah, off yeah, the yeah. list. And so I was like, okay, so I guess I'll wait around, right? Yeah. So I did get up. I did my time. Like two friends who were with me, they came. And the few people that were paying attention yeah. laughed. Oh, good. So I was like, okay. And that's weird because the potluck, they keep the lights half on. Yep. Yep, yeah, you can see everybody. Just, you can see everybody. You can see everything. So, because I've I, I actually did a spot on the potluck because I just was there. Mm-hmm. I got there early and I just went up for a little while. I think, uh, for the fuck of it, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> but I got look. I got nothing against like alternative spaces. I just I don't. I I like the context to be solid. I don't want to struggle for some hipsters anymore. That's so interesting because for me, I find it like I don't try to go to clubs like i've never and this is on me i'm like should i try to get past the cellar should i try to like get past the comedy store and all that i don't want to struggle through people who uh don't have the uh, decided to just come see comedy today i, I get it i get there and that's they're not, a less of my thing it's a, but I it's a it. well it's a less forgiving bunch yes they have specific expectations yes yes and if you're not gonna land uh you know a joke every 15 20 seconds yep they're not. They're not going to have patience. And that's the thing. I like to go on a little journey. I know you. And you better relax. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I do feel like, for me as a comic, where I'm at, it's like I need to go into those spaces and stop being so scared because I think it's a holdover of the early days. You know, no, it's, it's a I, holdover I it. of like bringer shows, fucking Gotham. You know, like it's yeah. that kind of feeling. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, I, you know, I came up in a time where you had to do the job. Yeah. So, like, for better for worse, that that put in a lot of work ethic and and also made me sort of realize not all the, and I didn't really realize it all the time I was a guy that would like I'd blame them if I if something wasn't working <laughs> you know you fuckers but you know then you start to I, as I got older now like I can navigate it I can do the thing right. that you like to do and and figure it out right because if you like you're a writer you you beat it out mm-hmm. like whatever anybody says about you know you're just telling stories or this or that you know, when you have a good story, there's a joke every yeah. 15 seconds. Yeah. yeah really? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And then if you just have that in your head, you know, you can do the other thing. But the problem with the, the comedy club space, and I imagine it's it's not just a a, a silly fear, is that it's a attention span thing. Yeah. That, you know, to do long form shit, you know, you got to hold these people. Yes. Yes. Whereas in a more um, uh, supportive space, they kind of know the score, you know, the, right. they're, they're already going to go at you. Yes, but, exactly. You they're, know, they're for the love of the game, meaning for comedy itself. That's right. Whereas I often feel like in a club setting, they're there for a specific person or the promise of specific people. Right. Or, or their idea of comedy. Uh-huh. Totally. You know, which totally. is the mainstream idea right and then and then also in a comedy club you might have to go up after jeselnik right right or, exactly. or sebastian uh-huh, uh-huh you know which to me sometimes it's i still i'm sort of like oh god I gotta. <laughs> but but that's something that where even now i have to overcome is that that fear of sort of like just go up and do your I thing know. stupid you're not you're not 22 you know, you're like, i know you're just I know. another guy and so if it sucks for a few minutes so be it Yes. And I mean, and I will say that like when I bomb now or it's not good, I don't feel bad anymore. And that for me is the sign of maturity more so than like the actual things I quote unquote get. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? The ability to like yeah. eat it and then be like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Whereas before it would be like, kill yourself. It's over. Yeah. You can't hack it. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> I, but... I still get that. <laughs> like I, st- I don't like it when I like I hate the feeling as because as you get older, like you realize that like sometimes it's just going to happen mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. It's the nature of the audience. Yeah. Night. Yeah. It's not either. Yes. Not, not all audiences are good and sometimes they're just not going to give you the energy, Yeah, but it certainly stinks to have to stand up there for an hour <laughs> at that medium energy. <laughs> oh shit. God. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, this is just it. The way it is got nothing to do with you, but there's some part of you that thinks you're fucking blowing. It. I know. Oh God. I was at the comedy attic in Bloomington. This would have been pre pandemic. I love that place. But when I'm telling you, you know, they had to paper to get people out for my ass, okay? Yeah, okay. So it was like the Friday late show, and it was people who were there because they didn't have to pay, and I could see it in their uh, eyes, and, and I Friday tried late. to win them over. And when you're just like, I'm just looking at these dead eyes, and yeah. I got to power through. Yeah. I got to power through. <laughs> you feel that sweat on the back of your neck? Like, oh. <laughs> had me the front, the upper oh, lip. It's quick and it's right up top. Yo, yeah, mine's hidden. <laughs> if it starts coming out of my forehead, we're really in trouble. <laughs> Well, so you you really look back and you you kind of avoided clubs. Yeah. And you were able to do it in all those alternative spaces. I was. There were a lot. You know, again, you know, look, I was never a, you know, five spots a night running around. Certainly I love a two-show night in New <laughs> yeah, York, yeah, you know, yeah, getting yeah. them a train. When did you start the writing, though? How did you make a living in show business? Well, and this is the question, and this is the thing, that, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, and maybe you felt this at some point, I don't yeah. know when it was for you, but that sense of like, when I started, my goal was just to be good at stand-up. Yeah, just oh, me to be too. an undeniable yeah, stand-up. It's still that. <laughs> <laughs> but now, but but I felt like in the course of that, it changed, and it no longer. It was now. It's like you could be fine at stand-up, but where's your spec script? Where's your yeah. online following? Where you know yeah. all these pieces now? Yeah. And I really still feel like it was up until like 2010. You could like kind of get away with just being good at stand-up. Yeah. yeah. Um. Again, coming out of you know. Uh, film major, English, and all that. Like, I do like to write. It wasn't like yeah. it was something I was making myself do. But basically, what happened was, so I was working a day job at an art magazine. What magazine was that? It was called American Artist, yeah. and I was the editor of its quarterly watercolor magazine. Wow, that seems very specific and it, weird. It, it, you know, is a honey. 
I was coming out. I said, fun with gouache. I said, how to make acrylics work. I said, let's go landscapes. And I had editor's notes and everything, Mark. Wow. And I don't know nothing about art. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to managing editor Brian Riley, who I know is listening to this because he would listen to this at work. Oh, good. He would literally be like on his spreadsheet. And I was like, are you listening He's to a, podcast? He gave you the gig? <laughs> He was the guy. Yeah. And like, I would, but you know, I knew how to write. I knew how to interview somebody and get the basics. I was basically like, tell me how you paint your yeah. paintings. Yeah. Watercolor is nice. It's pretty. It's yeah. non-toxic. Yeah. And okay? also like, it, there's a lot of range to it. People who can do that well, watercolor, it's sort of impressive. Because you got to work fast. Yeah. You got to work fast yeah. to build up color without it getting muddy. Yeah. There Mark, you go. You I do know. know. You know, know your shit now, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got laid off in January... 2013 yeah and so um but around that time again you know i'm doing stand-up bits yeah. and pieces and i met and i met alana glazer through oh, that yeah. and so when and at that time you know broad city is about to become a thing and so it was may 2013 i didn't have a job you know i was collecting unemployment and i was like telling everybody i was like i'm out here in these streets if you have a job and she said so we have this writer's assistant job. If you want yeah. to apply for it, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be high paying, whatever. And I go, honey, if it's more than unemployment, I'll be there. Yeah. And I didn't know. And to me, it was like, oh, cool. I'll get to like work on a TV yeah. show. And I didn't realize how lucky I had it to find a writing job in New York. I mean, again, Did you assistant. even know the job of the writing assistant? That's sort of a tough job. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. To but just like <laughs> sit there and write everything that everybody says I down? Know. I know. The room stenographer. And also, I was older than everybody. <laughs> I was older than everybody. Really? I was 29. Yeah. To there, maybe 24, 5, uh -huh. you know? Uh -huh. um, but I, you know, I come from having a real job. Yeah. Right? Like, I knew and I had internships and all that kind of stuff. So I, so I knew. But it was also like, it wasn't just stenographer. That was also kind of the bare bones. I was getting lunches and getting groceries right. and like oh, kind right. of PAing PA a bit too for right. the room. Yeah, yeah. But that was sort of the entree into that, just knowing that world. And then from there, starting to then, like in the next season, I, I was a staff writer on season Did two. Did they give you, and, so they gave you a script second season? No, I was a staff writer. Okay. And so that was good. And then it started, you know, obviously the whole agent. And then you start to That's when you for got stuff. an agent? Yeah, after, after season two, I think. So you're a writer assistant season one, season two, you're a staff writer, and then like you got hooked up. Oh yeah, and then somebody will come knocking. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you work and then they come yeah. knocking, Mark. And how many seasons you work on the show? Three. All of them. Three. So where did that oh, lead yeah. to? Writing wise, and, uh, for you. Yeah, writing wise for me, it then led to, I worked on difficult people for just that first season for a couple of weeks, just um, more like what they might call like a consulting, you know, like you kind of come in. Which show was that? Who was that? Julie Klausner, Billy Eichner on Hulu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. a fun one. But that was just a couple of weeks. I, you know, it was more, again, like giving jokes and oh, okay. ideas and yeah, stuff yeah. for that. Um, and then I moved to LA and like, then there was like a long time I wasn't and I was like temping for a little while. Are you doing stand up all through it? Yeah, yeah. I learned, I had to learn that though. Like, you know, what was interesting as a writer's assistant is like, I wasn't speaking all day, right? Yeah. I'm just, taking notes and then yeah. I would get up and do a show and I was so clunky because I was like this is the first time I'm communicating with people really yeah, yeah, like yeah. Sub substantially yeah and so I was like oh this is weird and it's always been you know I love performing I love stand-up more yeah than writing and um it's always for me about that dance of trying to again it seemed writing is what kind of pays my bills yeah you know but sure. stand-up is like for the soul yeah and so I'm also very particular about what I write on and because, you know, I don't want to work until 
10, 11 p.m. Yeah, I want to be able leave. to do spots. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I want to I want to have a little bit of freedom in my brain. Have you had one of those thing. jobs where you can't leave and network TV? We've done, yeah, we've done some late night. I've done some late nights for which show? Uh, great news. That's oh, what yeah. moved me out here in 2017. What was that? Season CBS two of that. Or, wait, NBC. Was, NBC. Yeah. With, with Andrew, um, Andrew, Andrew Martin. Martin. Yep. How many seasons did that go? It was two. Was so you were on the second, second one. Yeah. So that's like real network shit. I know. I was like, this is the real deal. I'm in Hollywood, baby. I'm on the lot. Was it how many? Was it a huge staff? Oh, I felt like it maybe twelve of us. Wow. Yeah, like a decent, a, de- a decent number, certainly. But just like, yeah, learning that, like, oh, this is how they do it here. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And there were some late nights on that. Yeah, and just uh, and learning how to kind of balance it all. So then, yeah. you know, so I kind of try to like do a room or work on something and then take a take some months off and try to get into my stand-up again you know if i can well the stand-up that i like what'd you do you did two recorded specials i did a half hour for comedy central in 2016 right and a half hour for netflix this past that dropped this right. past december well i saw that one thanks mark yeah so the other one like uh do you how do you feel about the one you did in 2016 comparatively speaking do you look at it and be like, that wasn't ready or anything? Like that? No, this is a difference. Okay. Because the Netflix half hour, you know, I got two months notice to put that together after not performing for 15 months because of a pandemic. Right. Whereas that 2016 half hour was kind of the culmination. You're working it. Yeah, right. I'd had that worked. So yeah. I still think I'm like, okay, that was that was strong. That was it. This one I think is, uh, I think is a little more crafted. Yeah. I mean, the new one. Yeah. It feels like a little just more like. Well, you it stuck with concerted. the one thing for the whole time. Like, you kind of stayed in one one story-ish. I, tr- I tried, right? To keep yeah. us on one journey. Yeah. That's what I, I really, like, I'm when I'm putting it together, I'm always like, well, what does this add up to? It's like, I don't want just, like, disjointed jokes where, like, you know, you use the laugh to transition. Yeah. Because heaven help you if they don't laugh. Right. How do you get there? Right. So I really wanted it to feel better. I felt like that was good. The thing, too, with Comedy Central, you know, those goddamn commercials, Mark. I know. I know. Ruining I know. everything. No. They cut in the middle of a bit. It's hard. They're taking out the tags, Mark. can't do it. I know. I mean, I remember there was one special we shot. I can't remember who it was for. It was a fucking nightmare, though, because they actually laid it out. They, they, you know, before, it was the only time this happened, and it was the worst, where they're like, here are the times of each segment. So, you know, you got the pre-thing, like for a minute Mm -hmm. and a half, and then you got six, and then you got six, and then you got four, whatever the Mm -hmm, hell it is, mm -hmm. and you're trying to build an act around that. I know. It's a disaster. Yeah. I had no idea. Also, I knew there'd be commercials. I just didn't know they were going to be cutting like that, right? Yeah, no, like, I thought, I'm, if anything, they would maybe lift out a whole bit, right? Yeah. Like, and then they could just put the joke in there. But it was like, no. It was like, they like in the middle, and then they come back from the commercial, and it picks up where I left off. And I said, what is this flow? Yeah. The flow is so important to be marked. Yeah. I, yeah. And I was very upset. I think it was, uh, I, I, it was the, those, it, I did two of those fucking things for Comedy Central, those half hours. Premium blends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was what it was. Yeah. That where you have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So they fucked you on that. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough. I didn't know, of course, until it was up. And I was, but I was like, oh, where's the, that's what I also, again, I, the Netflix, I said, okay, because I know it's not going to be cut. Yeah, you can just stay with it. I can stay with it. And I could be really specific about how we get from one to the other because I know it's going to matter. Yeah. And the theme was being in one of those novels. <laughs> my Nancy, you think you think the thing was Nancy Myers vibes? Um, yeah, the, I think you know it's funny. That kept coming back. Yes, the idea of being a Jan. What yeah. is fabulosity? Can yeah. I live up to it? Yeah, yeah. No, I can't. <laughs> yeah, but we always aspire, right? right, and, right. J- and then also, what does that look like trying to do that 
when you are like a black lady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, when you're sad. Yeah. Uh, when you're sad all the time, you know. Yeah, that's right. You did talk about depression a bit, well, right? Yeah, honey. You got to live in your depression mode. I mean, that's also the thing, though, when I think about clubs and stuff. And again, because I'm not there, it could have changed. So please tell me. I always felt like I wasn't the right. I wasn't the black woman they wanted for the clubs yeah. in that you want the confident brash lady. And I'm literally like, I sit in the shower and I'm not doing well. And I was but, but it's funny, though, because you have that that's that you have that brash lady in you and you use it uh, you know, deliberately at different points during your set. Yeah. You just don't live in that. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but you have one. I visit her. We visit her. <laughs> we visit her. Yeah. yeah just yeah. to check in, see how she's holding up. Right. Well, I, I think that with clubs. So, like, I think what you're saying is true that, like, if people are coming to see you, then they'll know what to expect. Yeah. But just to do the job, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you're psyching yourself up to out to a certain degree. No, I know. But it is hard to, to you know, to get through that first five minutes. I know. Because you could really sink your own boat. <laughs> right? I know. You do all, you try, you try, you try, and then you just, some part of you leaves. <laughs> Oh my God, yes. Do you ever, isn't it wild how you can disassociate while fully talking to a room of people? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. I know. Because I can literally be like, I'm not here, but yeah. you know some jokes. Yeah, yeah. I'll always know, like, uh, yeah. Andy, my husband, he'll know when I've, when I've jumped ship when I start doing old material, right? Like, if he hears yeah, a joke yeah, from 2018, he goes, he's yeah. like, you left, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh huh. My we, brain just went on autopilot and said, what's the joke I know? Well, yeah, because the alternative is get angry, which I used to take as well. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take, I'll do that. I used to do that. But no, I know that feeling where you're like, Ugh. but I can't do it anymore. I don't know. I'd rather m give them some sort of horrendous experience. <laughs> something to talk about. Yeah, then let me just fail. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And pretend like it's not happening. <laughs> I've never been able to do that. Like, just, you know, don't acknowledge your bombing. Just finish the job. I'm like, no. <laughs> exactly. No, they have to pay. Exactly. <laughs> um i've been telling them lately i go there's something here don't yeah, you worry sure sure i yeah. go yeah i go okay there's something here yeah you don't know yet right but you could say you were here when that's right <laughs> I, I do some version of that yeah, you right. can just say well you get the premise out and it gets enough of a laugh to be like all right well that's uh, gonna turn into something <laughs> not tonight but uh not tonight yeah come back in six months so what what are you doing now what you've got like several oh, you got a podcast and so a I host show? a podcast couples therapy with what you. is that that is a you want to come do it we uh, talk about relationships for a little bit and then we answer listeners relationship questions um, mm -hmm. initially started as a live show where we would have comics do sets together so friends couples exes siblings it, we, yeah. we used to do it we did it in New York at Hi-Fi bar which was on the Lower East Side no, I remember that place. and then moved it to the Virgil when we moved here and then that's Who's how the guys are with you the husband, Andy. Oh, really? Andy Beckerman, yeah. He's a writer? Yes, he is. Yeah, I don't know that name. Do I know yeah. him? Probably. I uh, think you did his podcast. I did? Yeah, a long time ago. Wow. Because he's been doing his since 2010. So y'all were in the trenches together. That's right. What's Dark, this So it was a long time. Beginnings. Hmm. I wonder. And it was like early creative memory. Probably. Or he's... Like, I just feel like you have been... Uh, in the same circle somewhat? Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, well, So you do a couples podcast. I do couples therapy. And then I do a... I love a Lifetime movie podcast, which is a Lifetime movie podcast. Yeah. Recap yeah. with A&E. Right. You do it. Okay. Yeah. You do what you do to make your money. <laughs> and then- <laughs> You mean they're, oh, it's actually an A&E podcast. Okay. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, that's you, starting you, in the uh, pandemic. Uh-huh. Can they, you be, uh, 
hard on the not not so much <laughs> it's a real tricky dance baby yeah it's a real tricky dance it's you know i think we can certainly i hosted with the comedian megan gailey who's very funny and i think we can do it and you know lord knows they'll cut it if it gets too yeah yeah but you know i think what it is is you can definitely make fun of the genre and the aspects of yeah. it right but certainly don't be like who wrote this dreck right. you know like you can't do that <laughs> do you feel like are you gonna go back to new york I want to. I love it more. I don't, I just, I, I don't drive Mark Marin. You don't? And, no. How'd you get here? I took a lift. Oh, okay. That's why my hair's a mess. He refused to turn on the air conditioner. Oh. And the wind just took it away. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all right. We the, do what we have to do. Uh, no driving. <laughs> I have a license. Uh-huh. I am afraid. Uh-huh. I am afraid. People are lawless here, okay? They ca- Mark, what's with the t- turning left on yellow and then red and then you turn right on red? When does the car stop, Mark? I know. When I know. do you stop? I know. You, you Mark. Got, you just have to get used to it. Mark. Mark, okay, I understand that, but it's, it's almost like, you know, for instance, getting you fit. You drive offensively. Exactly. Yeah. But that's how you have an accident. I don't know. You're overthinking it. How long have you been driving? How long did you give it a try for? Not... Not, not, not. <laughs> so you went and you took your lessons and you got your license. Oh, and I drove for maybe like a couple of years because I, I got the license right before I was going with the National Theater of the Deaf because yeah. we were driving oh, our so tour. You, oh, you got it. So East I drove, Coast. yeah. So I drove for the tour. Um, then went back to New York, didn't do anything. And then when I got here, I didn't drive for a little bit. Then I took driving lessons. I did 10 hours yeah. with Carlos, yeah. who was very patient. Yeah. But then the moment Carlos was gone, I just couldn't do it. Got spooked. I got, also, you know, Carlos had us in a ratty, like, 1995 Honda Accord. Yeah. You know, once I'm in the thing I'm leasing, yeah. and I'm afraid to scratch it, right. I said, forget it. I also don't have great depth perception. I'll uh, tell you that right now. Okay. When it comes to turning yeah. into a space, yeah. I'm scraping, scraping, scraping. Really? All right. Yeah. Well, maybe you're just not meant to drive. Well, then how am I meant to thrive? In L.A., I don't know. I know. See? Yeah. See? I don't know. I I just, uh, could you go back to New York? I mean, what are you doing out here right now? It feels like this is where, I mean, I know, right? Technically, it's not like I have to go into work anywhere every day here. Yeah. But I'm just like starting to get settled. You know, yeah. I got the dog, I got the two cats. and I know, I know, I know. I, yeah. And I don't know what's going on in New York, but I, all I know is it's getting dry here. Yeah. yeah. And it's getting hot. It's humid here. You know, they used to say it's a dry heat, but now it's a humid heat. It's a little humid some it's days. Humidity. Yeah. It's really coming. It's coming through. So what? You don't, you're not working on anything now? So I just finished shooting season three of Mythic Quest on Apple TV, oh. which is a show about a video. It's a workplace comedy about a video game company. And okay. I play the put upon HR lady using oh, the rage yeah. that I yeah. enjoy so much. Yeah. Uh, so we finished shooting that and the new season will start in the fall. I'm honey recording couples therapy podcast, Lifetime podcast. Writing some scripts. I'm gonna be in a little motion picture that drops on Netflix in yeah. August. Yeah, I'm trying, honey. What, what movie? It's called Me Time. Yeah, and it stars Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Hart, and Regina Hall. And right. I play a parent. And I at one point use the phrase "I be fucking," which you know is sure. not you know that's fun. That's <laughs> fun. <laughs> what kind of name is Iparagin? Nigerian. It's a it's a very memorable name. I can't get it out of my head. Oh, good. You never just you don't see EKP much. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. That's all I do. You know, when you have like sign in for something, and they're like, yeah. "What's your name?" I go EKP. Yeah, that's, that's all it. you need. That's all you need. Do we have to get into everything? And how's your mom feel about your career now? Well, now that she knows I'm working and have money, she's doing she's great. Okay? Yes, yeah. she's I, still working. Yep, she's still working. And it was you know what it is. It's her. You know, 
of course, as I do things that she can see, there's yeah. a tangibility in that. But I think it's even more so just feeling like she's like, you got money, you good. Like, yeah. you know, you have it. Like, because I think, of course, like. Got she, insurance. Exactly. It's like, yeah. what you know. And so I think she feels she feels comfortable now knowing, okay, you can pay your bills and you can do what you need to do. Sure. What about your old man? Does he know? Oh, he knows. Yeah. Well, this is the problem with that damn McParrigan name, Mark. And this is what I'm dealing with. Oh, yeah. If your last name's McParrigan, we're related. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You So, so like. That you're hearing from everybody? Yeah. Or they suddenly hearing me, right? Like, yeah. And that's what's so interesting and tough is like, okay, as I become more front facing, so to speak, yeah, um, I start to bring in people, or I have to be mindful, or how do I tell the story of my upbringing without offending someone else? But it's that's kind of like I don't know if I can control that, and so it's just interesting because yeah, uh, yeah. Like people are paying attention in a way now. You know, like like my my grandma in Nigeria, she texted me once. She goes. Say hello to Jew boy, which means she heard Jubu, oh, which okay. is what I call Andy in my act. Yes. She must have heard that somewhere. Yeah. And you know, she's like 92, so it's yeah. like I find Jew boy, Jew boy, I get boy. it. Yeah, but it's like, oh, she's hearing my comedy somewhere. Right, right. You know? You hope. <laughs> <laughs> I need those international downloads. Yeah, I yeah. need those international downloads. Well, no, downloads. I mean, just like if she just came up with Jew boy on her own. But. <laughs> But well, no, I, it's a, it's an interesting um, dilemma to you, you know who has the right to what story about who, because I've dealt with that you know with yeah. my family yeah, too, yeah. with my dad especially, and in, in, in a book I wrote where I was kind of honest, but it is my point of view. Yeah. And when you are forward facing or whatever you're saying or public personality, mm -hmm. they don't have any recourse. Like they yeah. can't go wait. I'd like to present my <laughs> side. So yeah, it becomes tricky. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, I'm of the belief though that it is your story, right. and that if you think you're coming from a place that isn't um, spiteful, right, then you can own that. Well, that's what I'm trying because that's what the new. That's what I'm kind of working on, new material wise. I feel like I feel I'm getting comfortable enough to kind of delve into family things, but also for that very reason of you know, and I think it's more so to my mom because I think she is a little more. Not just private, because I think there is that little kind of like, you know, I think that's like a black, a cultural thing of like, that's personal, that's family. Right. Don't be t telling, pe don't be telling people business. Unless right? you do it in a way that you sort of half generalize it. Right. Do you know, like, it seems to me that there are storytellers, even black storytellers that do it, but either it's a little broad mm -hmm. or they kind of, you know, kind of like, we all know what this is. Mm -hmm. when you, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to work on yeah. But it seems like if like the but when you are somebody who is really wants to be yourself, the specifics become important. The specific, I, I was just gonna say, I'm like half general. I'm like the specifics are where it is. I know, I know. And so that's yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. tricky part. So I am trying to figure out how do I say it. And I think for the most part, because it's funny, because my mom used to say this to me a lot. Like for instance, if something was happening, like if we were fighting or doing whatever in the middle of a fight, she goes, "And don't you put this in your comedy." Sure. Yeah. You know, should I always do that? And my response when people say things like that is like. Well, then don't be bad because I'm. You don't talk about the day everything went well right. on stage. You talk about the day. Sure, something fucked up happened. Yeah. Well, that ain't on me. Yeah, I, the, they should call that. That's what your special should be called. Don't be putting that in your comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw them all under the bus. <laughs> and and if, and then when I when it's going to be like recorded or something, then I think it through. Yeah. And then I usually do it anyway. Well, but see, this is the difference now, right? Especially, like, first of all, you've been doing your podcast for over a decade. Yeah. You know, this is another way things get 
like this is recorded. Sure. And now we tell a business. Yeah. But it's a conversation. Right. And it's like, you know, I was like, this is a conversation that a lot of people will hear. And perhaps even people who know my family yeah. will, right? Like, right. you've got the reach, Mark. You've got yeah. the reach. Well, yeah, you'll be surprised. And so <laughs> it'll be, you know, so it's like interesting. So that's why I'm like, even as I'm sa- as I say things, I'm like, okay, what's real? What's not? I was like, okay, did I drag anybody? Did I drag them in a way that wasn't appropriate? I think mm-hmm. you were. You, you know, know, exactly. Like it's, but it's like, that's what you have to think of even before, right? Not even doing a set. Sure. And I wonder, though, if you having done this for so long, also in a way kind of cal- give you that strength and kind of the callous. Well, I don't talk know. about, I'm, I'm sort of careful to talk about relationships uh, because they all end, some mm-hmm. not well. Yes. And, you know, and then all of a sudden you just stop talking about it because they don't have, they, they, you, they can't defend themselves mm-hmm. or they can't have a place. But I think with family, you know, that shit is, is dug in, it's done. And like even you know talking you know in a in a surface way about problems, you know it it's it's got to be okay yeah because it's sort of what defines us. What are we just supposed to talk about that in therapy or right. we, it is our story right? And you know on some level somebody fucked up right. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So like you know it's sort of like you know I got to be uh, you know honest about this. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Exactly. But, uh, you could have done a little better. Well, for me it always feels like. It's got to be funny as fuck. Right. Meaning, if because if I'm going to say something that's going to risk me getting an earful or an attitude from or, or a not talking to somebody, yeah, yeah. it better be the funniest version of this in the world. Yeah, you better be able to live with it and defend it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it can't just be like a, you know what happened? It yeah. Be, hun, it better say something. Yeah, yeah. It better do something. <laughs> that's true. I think that's I think that's a good policy. Okay, great. (laughs) Make it the funniest fucking thing you've ever heard. And then if it hurts feelings, like I don't know what to tell you. It's a good. It's a good good one. It's good. It's real good. Sorry, they Uh, like it. Yeah. It's not. It's not about you anymore. It's actually bigger than you. Yeah, and it's helping people. (laughs) Try that one. It's helping people. (laughs) People feel less alone because I threw you under the bus. (laughs) (laughs) Try that one. It's good talking to you. Good talking to you, Mark. Okay, that was Naomi Iqparajan, her podcast, Couples Therapy. Check it out. Also, check her out on the stand-ups on Netflix or Mythic Quest on Apple TV+. Plus. Good talking to her. It was a good conversation. And if you could, uh, hang out for a second. Okay, listen, on Thursday's show, I'll talk to Orny Adams. Yes, this happened. I didn't think it would ever happen. I'm not sure I wanted it to happen previously. Orny Adams is really, quite frankly, a guy who has kind of rubbed me the wrong way and annoyed me for years. And, you know, and I honestly, I'm not the only one. But uh, but I started to realize, like, why what work this out? The guy's a real comic. The guy does the job. What is it? Why it's there's a couple. There's only a few people in the world right now that kind of like annoy me. And I've not been easy on this guy. And it's always been weird and tense. So I said, fuck it, man. It's time. And, um, I talked to him and it, it's really, it was like, it was one of those episodes loaded with a certain tension, but we knew it was there. It was interesting. I, I don't even, I, I think it, I think I was definitely emotionally ready to do this and, I'm, and he was, I think, pretty excited to do it. Uh, well, here, I think we have a little bit here. I'll play it for you. Here's the, here's the truth. I'm shocked I'm here right now. Like, yeah, can you explain to me what I'm doing on your podcast? <laughs> 
I just wanted to. I wanted to connect. I've been, you know, I've been hard on you. Yeah. And you know, and I, and I knew that, like, no matter how fucking hard I've been on you, uh, for no real reason other than you annoy me, uh, that <laughs> that given <laughs> given the opportunity, you would come over here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I did have a conversation with my agents. I'm like, is this a setup? <laughs> They go, we don't think he does that to people. Otherwise, we wouldn't get guests. Oh, and, yeah. But I also feel like there comes a point in your life, like, uh-huh. I feel like as you mature, yeah. we're not as competitive as we once were. That's and probably true. You're more welcoming, and we're probably more similar than dissimilar. So when you looked at Ornie Adams in a hat, you said, God damn it, that's me. That's my, well, no, I think that's true. And that's why I just texted my, uh, you know, when I was talking to my producer, like that usually is why. I mean, I understand we probably grew up similarly. You know, we we're probably sort of, there's some sort of scramble to kind of put ourselves together in a way. Uh, some, something's missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I, I, I think I identified your quest for selfhood. Uh, you know, through whatever means you had, whether it be hats or, you know, uh, acting like other people or whatever, as as something I I understood. Yeah, I mean, I think I was going through a sort of a dark period, and so that's where that whole sort of... When when was the dark period? This was after... uh, Comedian? Yes, exactly. So that's that's me and Orny. That'll be on Thursday. This Friday and Saturday, I'll be at Wise Guys in Las Vegas. That's July 15th and 16th. Then I'm back at Dynasty Typewriter for two shows, Saturday and Sunday, July 23rd and 24th. And then I'll be at Just for Laughs in Montreal for my gala on Saturday, July 30th. I'll also be doing solo shows up there on July 28th and 29th. I think the on my gala, Big J Okerson and um, Rosebud Baker, the Squire Brothers, there's other people. I'll tell you as we get closer, but they released the list of uh, who's going to be on there. And I'm also doing two solo shows. Did I mention that? On July 28th and 29th. And I'll, I'll announce that again as we get closer. I don't think there's been a public announcement of it yet. Then in August and September, I'll be in Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, Lincoln, Nebraska, Des Moines, Iowa, Iowa City, Iowa. Tucson, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Boulder, Colorado, and Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Then in October, I'm in London, England, and Dublin, Ireland. Also, this weekend at Wise Guys in Las Vegas, I'm bringing Pavitsky with me. I'm bringing uh, Esther. You can go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all the dates and ticket info for all of my shows. Also, remind me to tell you about uh, my trip to the uh, Chinese doctor. Remind me, okay? And I'll send you emails to... uh, WTFpod at gmail.com. If you got questions, we're going to reopen a, some sort of mailbag situation. All right? All right, here's some guitar. Boomer lives. Monkey, LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>